This is the Thin Space Podcast. In this episode, Jody, Larry, and I are honored to be talking over Zoom with Maria Kressler, the Executive Director of Ignatius House. Maria, welcome to the Thin Space Podcast. Thank you so much, Evan. And it really is a pleasure to have be invited to have such a conversation with people that are dear to me and about a subject which is very close to my heart. Yeah, so we're, we're talking about silence and solitude today, which is something that uh, you know very well, being the director at Ignatius House. I think it'd be fun here at the beginning, Larry and Jody, could you share how you came to know Maria? Absolutely. So, gosh, I got introduced to the St. Ignatius House in Atlanta and to the Jesuits back in 2002. And, uh, and then started retreating there uh, once or twice a year. And Bob Fitzgerald was there, uh, Maria at the time, and uh, as executive director. And then I kept hearing about this woman named Maria Kressler. And this was, you know, 2007, 2008. And, um, and just hearing wonderful things about her. And then uh, you became the director in 2009. Yeah. And uh, that's amazing that it's been that many years. And um, and, you know, Maria, we'll kind of leave it to you to explain a little bit because you'll do a better job than I will of explaining the Ignatian um, House and the retreats that you do. But I, I will just say this. My time at the Ignatius House has been the most sacred and most transformational time in, in my prayer life, bar none. And my life was changed forever through it and through the selfless service of the teams there over all of these years. So then we got to meet Maria a few years ago, and it was like, Jody, it was just like, uh, Maria, I don't know that anybody doesn't fall in love with you. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure there's a human that does. But we started to get to know you, and we got we started to see the transformation of the Ignatius House and just the beauty that you were bringing. And, and then, you know, over over the years, we've, uh, we've had a chance to, to get to know one another a little bit. And when I was uh, praying which we always do as it, as it relates to these the episodes, the Lord was leading Jody and I into, and Evan into the whole notion of silence and solitude. And we know from our own walks, it's vital if we're to enter into intimacy. And Marie, you'll have so much to say about that. Um, but we've just found that you, it's not like you can fall in love with God without silence and solitude. And so anyhow, we were praying, and I literally, and Maria's heard the story, but I was praying, and I said, Lord, who, sh- who, sh- who should help us with this? And Maria's name instantly came through the Holy Spirit in prayer. So I reached out and said, Maria, <laughs> would you like to come talk to us about silence and solitude? Because that's the life that you not only live personally, but you invited so, so, so many people into as they found, found him through it. So, so that's a little bit of backstory. I don't know, Jody, if you want to add anything to that. Well, you, um, you described it quite well, Larry. The only thing I would add is to echo your statement. I have never gone to the Ignatius house and I've been there many times now over the years where I haven't had a profound encounter with Jesus. I think of one time, Maria, in the, in the chapel, there's a beautiful cross with Jesus on it. And I don't know the name of the artist, but I can sit in that chapel and meditate on that piece of art for hours and, um, and had a really profound experience once with a, um, a Jesuit priest there who offered us communion at the foot of the cross and I encountered Jesus in his forgiveness and love. Um, just just even now sitting here thinking so many beautiful memories. So thank you for, for stewarding his place so well. And, and it is a beautiful place. You are all so kind. And I really appreciate uh, the affirmation. I think if you're if you all could I could only imagine my parents who are now deceased and my brother, but my brothers and sisters who are, are here would laugh when they think that my name came up when somebody said, when they thought of silence and solitude, because <laughs> as the oldest of five in an Italian Catholic household, which was, I'm an extrovert and I am a talker. And, and most often people will joke about that. That's been usually the teasing that I've had most of my life was about, you know, that, that I'm, I talk too much, so, but that very thing. So to be here, to hear that I'm praying and that my name came up. 
which is, is a grace because that grace certainly of silence and what that has brought to my life has been powerful. And it, it's very heartening to think that is some of what I might exude now over the time, because very much like you, Larry, once I encountered it on, in silence on my own, it altered my life forever. And, and I know I, I shared some of this in conversations with you before, but I sometimes would argue that the extrovert, the talker, <laughs> um, has, has hit, and, I'm, and, and I want to use the word more profound, but certainly in an unexpected way. I often mm-hmm. say more profound because I was never quiet enough in my lifetime to have heard that voice. So I'd, I could fill my mind and my heart with words. Singing was a way I love to sing and I loved, I love worship music. And that would be a way to meet my God. Certainly reading scripture, reading all kinds of other people's thoughts about God, <laughs> lots of wonderful folks. So to go on a retreat, to step away and to not talk and, and do minimal reading, like just what I'm being instructed to follow and look and listen to. And was profound, like to the, to the point of like, literally, I, I think back to those moments of almost like being taken away by a breath, like it caught my breath, that that's how powerful the experience was. And for me, a lot of tears, but I, I've learned that Ignatius will call it the gift of tears. It was not tears of, of sorrow and, and grief. They were just tears of overwhelming love. Like I was loved and I was quiet enough to really know that in the center of who I am, not because of who I am, what I do, what role I play in life, that I am loved by my creator hmm. it was so profound. I'm going to get myself um, emotional now thinking about the moment. And I remember my husband who went before me coming home and, and saying like, he couldn't give me the gift because it's a gift that only God can give you if you make the choice to go. But he so strongly encouraged my going. He's the introvert. And so he had a profound experience, but it was of a different nature for him because it's not because he talks so much, but he's a thinker. He's a professor, a scientist. His head was filled with other things. So while it wasn't the sound or the noise of his voice, it was his mind and what was going on. So it was a different encounter. And that's why I have to be careful when I say extroverts have more profound experiences, because you could be an introvert and a really heavy thinker and somebody who is constantly in their head. And it's the heart that you meet in silence. And and it's clearly not something new. It's not something Ignatius invented. It's been, it's age old and across all religions. And that's the other fascinating reality. It's a very interdenominational, you know, interfaith reality that silence, in the depths of silence, there is God. And and, uh, I was watching a natural geographic with my husband the other night <laughs> and they were going and plummeting the depths of the earth in caves under the water. And they're just talking about the depth and the silence, right? You go down and the deeper you go, right? The more deafening the silence. Hmm. And I guess I just liked that, that, that idea, that metaphor, that when you take the time to step out of your life, to step into an experience of silence, you will, there's no doubt in my mind, you will encounter God. That's a very unique distinction whenever you talk about silence and separating it from external noises for extroverts and introverts. That's helpful for me. I have a similar experience to you as I identify with a seven on the Enneagram and my path to transformation was silence and solitude. So I've, I'm looking forward to, to hearing a lot from you in today's episode. But I've wondered about that distinction of, of external noises. And, and so this new definition or this definition you're giving us is silence as a form of internal noticing the lack of noise or even thinking about noise differently than what's happening outside of you to what's happening inside of you. When I think it's, in fact, I know it is Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, it's, I think it's chapter 14, where he goes away, he says he sends the crowds away, and he goes up into the mountains to pray. And when I was praying with that one day, it was really like, I have to send the crowds, the noise in my head away. Hmm. It's not just the physical noise. (laughs) 
it's the noise that I create within me, right? So often when people come on retreat, we're here, our wonderful retreat center and is rather close to the city of, of Atlanta. We are, we're kind of 20 acres embedded in, in suburbia. You can hear, if, uh, you know, on, on certain windy days, the highway, I mean, you can hear. And so to say, I can promise you silence in this perfect, you know, is the reality is the interior silence. Hmm. In all honesty, though, it does help. The environment of silence absolutely helps. And so that's kind of what we provide. But but there's two different people can come here and have all the silence in the world, I tell many who come here, but be so attached to these, to our cell phones, our smartphone. They're not even cell phones, they're smartphones. They're like walking little computers we have in our pockets that we can do everything with. You could now come on a silent retreat Never utter a word or a sound, but you can be engaged and talking and communicating 24-7 in that time frame. Texting, shopping, posting, you name it, right? So it's a, I would argue it's a harder thing today than it would have been for me when I started on my very first retreat, because guess what? <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't even think I had a flip phone. <laughs> I'm not sure they were even invented. <laughs> So when I went, it was important that they had emergency contact number. So if mm. something were to happen, and guess what? I trusted that if something bad was going to happen, people would get to me. And today, I think that's another thing that we've missing. So yeah, it's a whole new world when we talk about silence and what gets in our way. And so it can be, it doesn't have to be noise in the, in, in the sounds that we make. Um, but it is nevertheless when we do it, and I think about this with children. When you when you've got your little children, I don't know if you if you have any Evan or not, uh, but little kids, whenever you're trying to get their attention, what's the first thing a teacher does? They go shh, hmm. and then and and why are we doing that? So they can hear something. Usually, it's like, oh, did you hear that? Shh. Ah, oh, now I can hear. We have to stop so we can hear. And it's that simple and it's that hard. <laughs> it's, it's that simple and it's that hard, I think. Maria, kind of to that point, what for, for our listeners out there that, you know, may have never done a silent retreat or have never really moved more deeply into what we're talking about here, a couple things. One, you know, do, do you, how, how would you describe the importance of silence in, in our growing relationship with the Trinity? That's the first one. And then the second question would be, you know, do, what would you say to those people who, you know, might, might say something along the lines of, you know what, I, I understand the silence and the contemplative thing, but that's really not for me. You know, I'm not, God hasn't wired me that way. What What would you say about those, maybe those two things? You know, when you, when you use the word importance, I mean, certainly for me, it's, it's the number, it's number one. In other words, I, I'm a spiritual director and a lot of people will come and meet with us and, or me and will say, you know, here's what I, how's your prayer life? Your question might be to someone who's receiving direction. You know, we're talking about your life of prayer and how you're in your relationship with God. And they'll start to talk about all the things they're reading, all the practices of, of, you know, I do my scripture study here and I do, I do my, and in the Catholic world, it might be say a rosary, I do a number of different things. And the question really is, my question usually comes back to where is your silence? Let's talk about the times that you're able to be silent. Because I do think it is only in the silence that we can hear the voice I, and, the, and your heart. As someone who's grown up doing everything else, I think we're culturally afraid of it. I think we, I think we fear silence. I think we're afraid of what we're gonna hear. And, and again, the, why is it so important? Well, it's really discovering who I am. It's it, the silence doesn't just reveal God. When we reveal God, we reveal ourselves. We understand who we are. I'm not wired for that. I've had my I've had some of my best friends go, oh, I just can't do it because when I do it, my mind just I'm, goes in all kinds of places, and I can't possibly be silent. 
And the, and the question usually for me, my, the response is usually not a question, but it will be, can you do a few minutes? Can we start talking about taking a breath? So I always start in small increments, like even for myself, you know, I dived into silence, but the truth of it is my first silent retreat, you're invited to hear talks. So it's not like silent, silent, right? I'm going in, I'm sitting down, I'm going to listen to somebody, give me something to go off and take into the silence. But if you're, if you're talking about a person in their prayer and you want to say today, say you don't even make a retreat. I tell people often, when was the last time you just went outside for a walk, not to exercise, without your earbuds in, without your phone on you, just go outside and walk. Be, can you be silent like that? Because that's when you're going to hear and you're going to feel what you've never felt before. You're going to notice things that you've never noticed before. And I think that's the God in all things. You, you, won't, you won't get there if you're not quiet. You just won't. And I, I don't know how to say, say that other than I know you think you're not wired for that, but I would argue that you are. I believe that we all came into this world that way. We, were, we came in knowing that we were in the silence. We came from that silence into the depths of our mother's wombs. And we came out into this world. And we're trying to go back. We're trying to recall that. There's a recollection to that. I think that's that primordial feeling of when I'm alone and I'm sitting there, I'm just with me. Um, so the importance, I think it's huge. And I know we had the conversation the last time. It's huge from the beginning of life to the end of life. I was talking with a, a woman the other day and I said, you know, every single day we're moving ourselves one step closer to that final union. Every day we wake up, we're one day closer to that. And so every day, and it sometimes happens more for those in the second half of life, it's like, I need to spend more time in that silence because that's where I'm going. And, and to be comfortable in that space here, as I get to know my God in my heart, I will be, I'll be more ready. Like I will be, it, it's a movement towards, and certainly that's a beauty thing, beauty of age, right? We have more time for that. I mean, it, as you're young and you're, and you want to learn the practice early, I, I applaud and I'm thrilled with young people who are starting to learn this now because it's, it's shifting how they're living their lives. What's important what's not important, what I should be really worrying about, what I know to be true <laughs> in my heart. So, you know, I, I can't tell you about anything more like it's, it's who we are, what we are, so it would be number one in importance. When you can't do it, I, I begin by saying the easy things. Can you sit in front of a piece of art in silence? Okay, if, if you're, I don't, can't do it. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like go out and I, I think it's funny. I, I know we, we might laugh, but you know, go sit and stare at a flower or a rock or it doesn't have to be like, I got to sit in some Zen mode, you know, with my feet crossed and try to find some perfect moment. I think that's the difference. And I'm not, I think when people hear that kind of stuff, that's intimidating, but to tell someone to go sit. So if you're indoors and you can't go outdoors, Maybe you have something in your house you haven't looked at. I just looked up on my wall. I've got some beautiful art that I bought. You know, when was the last time I sat with it? Because I bought that because it said something to me when I bought it. When is the last time I just sat with it in silence? And then close my eyes and hear what God has to say to me. I, I yeah, it's it's real important. I don't know. I don't know what the other word I would put with that, but um, and I know that it's challenging because you're hearing it now. I like to talk, but my, that's one of the reasons I like to get away um, when I can outdoors. Now I think nature is huge for us right now, but my husband, I have a going joke. You know, I am the talker. He's the introvert. He doesn't. We're sitting up at the cabin now. Often I've been up there a lot and we'll be sitting there and he's, he feels compelled to say something. And we're just sitting there staring at the mountain or quiet. And the other day I just said to him, God, you sure do talk a lot. And he just busted <laughs> out laughing but it's because it's almost been this movement towards, I've found like, I don't, I don't need to, if I'm in the presence and I want to be present to the presence, it's a little, it's, it was kind of a side side playfulness on our part, but yeah, 
to be able to sit. You can do it with a picture. So for those of you who find it really, really hard, one of the best ways I know is sometimes to use either a photograph or a, a piece of art, put it in your prayer book, something that stirs in you and just sit with the image in the silence. If that helps you move yourself and focus your monkey brain, as they call it, right? Things that get you shooting everywhere, like whatever helps you. And, and I think you can build that in. Maria, I, I love how you're sharing just these simple ways for people to get started and, and that aren't heavy lifts, so to speak. I think of you, Larry, who started with a four-day silent retreat. That was not an easy lift. <laughs> you dove headfirst, but I love this, this gentle way to enter into the silence. And when you and I spoke a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned mindfulness. And as you mentioned young people, that's a word I hear a lot, them mentioning mindfulness and the practice of mindfulness. And we just had a conversation that I loved about mindfulness and silence and that, that there's nothing new and, and that we can find these practices uh, within Christianity that, that maybe we've never known were there or explored. So I don't know if you can say a little bit about that. It's, it's intentional awareness. I mean, mindfulness, right? is about paying attention. And this is a big Ignatian spirituality um, buzzword when it comes to like pay attention or awareness. Um, so what, yeah, so that's, and, and his spirituality is 500 years old, but he was again, not the inventor of this idea. Mindfulness is a secular way of taking something that has, has been very Christian. You know, when we talk about pay attention. So Ignatian spirituality, one of its one of our little um, quotes or quips you might hear is finding God in all things. Well, the truth of the matter is you can't find God in all things unless, unless you're searching for God in all things. How do we search for God in all things? We need to be mindful. We need to pay attention. We have to pause. And, and, and then to this point, to pay attention to where God is in your life being so it's mindful i could say the same thing in in the same sentence as paying attention to the movements of god in my life that can only happen again now about back to the importance of silence in the silence so if it's at the end of my day in a prayer called the examine which is a look back at my day a mindful looking back over the actions of what happened in my day as i sit in the presence of God in prayer, I am paying attention. I am being mindful, all right? Now it takes me to, how about in real time? I'm trying to pay attention during my day, not just looking back on it. Often, you know, where is God in this? You know, have a meeting in my office, somebody leaves the office and, and do I take the time and you have to do it in pause? You need the silence. That's why I need to do better in time management. That's why we need to have pauses between meetings with people so we can pause and be aware. So where was God in that? How was, how was I in that? Was I even listening to my heart or was I off listening to some other side of me that's not nearly as, as, as good? You know, like, so I, when I hear mindfulness, I think of intentionality, like I'm going to intentionally do something. I'm going to pay attention. Um, it's it's like we take it to dieting. You know, let's talk about that, right? It's the same when I make the decision to consider what I'm going to eat today because I'm following a plan. You are, you're, you you can mindfully eat, right? You can, everything we do, and so I like paying attention and awareness because to me, when I hear it, it's about where is God? Being aware of God in that because God is in everything, in every exchange. God is with all four of us right now in this exchange mm -hmm. where we gather, God is present. And so for us, even at the end of this conversation, we will pause all of us, I'm sure to think back and go, wow, was God moving in my heart right then? It helps us be mindful to say, well, I was really uncomfortable in that meeting I was just in. Why? Hmm. And then to be able to search your heart. You can't do that talking to people. 
you, you don't need input from other people on those kinds of moments. You need to listen to the one and only one. And that's God speaking to your heart that has to happen in the silence. You know, that's, you know, another talk about practical. If you are, if you are a person that works and has to commute, you know, get in that car. And the first thing we do is either put on some music we want to listen to or put on the radio or whatever. Don't just allow at least for the first 10 minutes of the drive to breathe, exhale, and maybe think about, and you could say mindfully <laughs> or with, with, with the awareness of where God was present. God, first of all, God was always present. Where was I conscious of God's presence? Mm -hmm. When was I not? When was I not listening to it? So I want to make sure I'm clear. It's not like looking that, is he there? Oh, I can't find him. <laughs> no, he's there. God's there. Always. It's how we look, how we're looking for God is the real. And that's what I think. I think that's, you know, maybe though there may be some who might define mindfulness differently, but I just think it's a, it's an attentiveness an awareness, uh, consciousness. For those of us who are Christian, I think we follow, we, we find God there. That's where God is. Yeah. Maria, as you're talking, my mind goes on so many different rabbit trails, if, if you will, things that you're saying that spark an idea. And I, I constantly catch myself just coming back to being present and aware of what you're talking about. And so that's a, a fun practice, even that we can do in conversations, I think, with people is, is bringing our, ourselves back to awareness. I do think it would be helpful. So I was introduced to Ignatian spirituality through a, a Martin Scorsese film, Silence. And so that was my first experience getting introduced to this. And, and obviously, Silence is the title of the film. It's what we're talking today about. And you've mentioned St. Ignatius several times. Can you tell us a little bit about St. Ignatius? and the Jesuits, these, these people who uh, follow the rule of St. Ignatius. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Oh, so Ignatius of Loyola is one of those great movie stories. I think I always get a kick out of, especially when you think about the Middle Ages and, and knights and, you know, damsels in distress and the whole, <laughs> the kingdoms. He was somebody who loved, he was to be at court. He considered himself quite the guy. <laughs> he liked to be in battles. It was very, very machismo at the time, right? To be out there to fight and, and to win the love of, of, of a beautiful maiden, et cetera. If you could just kind of use your imagination. He was in battle when he was hit by a cannonball, all right, in the leg, the Battle of Pamploma. And it injured him so badly, it knocks him off. It was actually a battle, I think, that they were losing terribly. But he was like, you know, we're going to do this. You could just see the movie, right? We're going to go for it. In his convalescent, they get him to Loyola, which is the, his family's house, and he's convalescing. In that convalescent time, he really wanted to, you know, read books of romance and chivalry that, that were present in the day. But the household had none of those books available to, for him to read. And the only thing they offered him was the life of the saints, or lives of the saints, and imitation of Christ, which is an old book about the life of Jesus. And he spent time just kind of reading those things. And one of the things that I, I love about the story is like he, he, was, he was rather arrogant, and he always thought he could be better than everybody. And so he was like, that was the way he was in battle, was the way he lived his life. And so now he's starting to do this fantasizing in bed and he's laying in bed and he's read the life of the saints and he starts to imagine what it'd be like to be a saint. And, and he imagined himself better than St. Francis of Assisi and better than, you know, St. <laughs> Dominic or anybody before him, right? I could be that. And he would think about it. But as he thought about being, you know, a soldier for Christ, if you will, at the time, soldier for Jesus, he, he noticed his feelings of how it made him feel after he had those imaginations compared to when he would sit there and fantasize over, you know, going back to court, fighting for, for the King and, and falling in love with some beautiful maiden he was in love with or some beauty. And he would have the same kind of high, if you will, excitement and, and what he would say consolation. But what he noticed in his spirit was after that dissipated. It didn't stay long. It didn't linger with him. Whereas the 
thought about working and for the betterment of this world following Jesus stayed with him. And it was the beginning of something that starts stirring in, in Ignatius, like, this is interesting, right? So basically, the st that story is a really short nutshell. I mean, it's like, he, um, we're actually about to celebrate Ignatius's 500th anniversary of the cannonball striking his leg in May of this year. Oh, wow. <laughs> so in May what of a celebration. 41, <laughs> it is a big, it's actually an, a, the Jesuits are celebrating globally the year of Ignatius. And they're That's calling awesome. it the cannonball moment. So it's like, did you have a cannonball moment? Right. That's the uh, question. I see. Yeah. Yeah. One of those moments where that action changed the course of his life. So from that mm. convalescent, Ignatius learns these things. He starts discerning the spirits. So the spirit of joy or, uh, or excitement, he saw it with romance and he saw it with working for God. But what he noticed was one, one lasted, one has took hold. And so after convalescent, he follows that. He decides he's going to go down that path. And in his own path, he goes into the solitude. And the sol that's part of how this all comes to be. He goes and stays in a cave. He, he does some very, very extreme things. And he comes out of those extreme times in caves and giving up his life and um, to the church. And he kind of comes back, kind of dials back and, and, and realizes that God has given him this, these practices that he could put into place called the spiritual exercises, which were a gift to him from God. He doesn't say that I authored them. They were given to me from God. And that's why they're a gift to all the church. And you'll find it's not just something the Jesuits own. Anybody in the Christian community that, because it's really a walk with Jesus, the, the exercises in the end. Um, so it's a gift to the, to, to, to the people of God, the exercises are. When he comes out of this experience, he's so transformed from his encounter with God in many, many experiences in silence on the river of Cardinaire. He then goes to school. He's, he meets he meets his brothers and he starts these brothers. He meets others in the process and he starts giving them these exercises. And that's where the Jesuits, so they become a community, a small group. He starts to give these, I want you to know what I know. So he starts to share these exercises with them and it starts to spread. The Jesuits, that's on the name, you know, it's the only order in the Catholic Church that doesn't take on the name of its founder. So if you've got St. Francis of Assisi, you've got Franciscans. You've got St. Dominic, you have Dominicans, all right? Um, St. Benedict, Benedictines, <laughs> Augustines, you go on and on. Ignatius, they're not Ignatians. These are followers of Jesus, companions of Jesus. They were so strong in what they said, that's what they were. And in some ways, the Jesuit, the name, just even taking on Jesus' name. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the name was kind of like used derogatively by others. Who It was a French mm -hmm. that used to say, oh, those Jesuits. In other words, and it was kind of a, meant to be more derogatory. They're companions in Christ is what they consider themselves, companions of Jesus. As companions of Jesus, their whole mission is these exercises coming to know God and these encounters is experiential, very different. That's what makes this prayer different. It's all about experiencing God. It's not just praying to in, in, in the rote sense. It's about an experience of God. That's the whole finding God in all things. Experiences is how he came to know God in these experiences. So the Jesuits now very quickly caught on <laughs> and they got spread. It, it all had to do with these experiences and it was about, for them, sharing these experiences and their conversion of heart, which led them to the least of their brothers and sisters. And that's why you'll see many of the Jesuits working with the marginalized and starting, you know, and then it was also educating leaders. That's why you've got the big schools, you know, in America, there's a lot of them. You have your Fordham, your Georgetown, your Gonzagas, your Loyolas, Boston College, a lot of the schools, because part of it is less, we wanna form leaders in this spirituality so that they can lead connected with God. That's what we see in Pope Francis, to be honest. He is a Jesuit and you can, in every encyclical the Pope comes out with, you can hear the voice of Ignatius, I think, mm. in his. That's, I, did, I didn't know that Pope Francis was a Jesuit. I just had assumed because of his name that he was a Franciscan. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. So that's that's an interesting uh, tidbit there. Well, it's very smart of him, I think, because everybody loves St. Francis of Assisi. So you've got St. Francis and, and certainly Ignatius did. Ignatius, remember, he wanted to be better than St. Francis, mm-hmm. right? And I think the reason, in my view, the Pope is so powerfully leads is because he knows the silence. He comes from a practice. He's made two, if not three, 30-day silent retreats in his lifetime. He practices this kind of prayer, which is, hmm. let me sit in silence with my God before, you know, it's a, and it's a global kind of leadership on his part. And even his encyclicals, when he speaks, he's not trying to, he's not doing this. He's not pointing fingers and dictating. He's just saying, he's kind of like a prophet in a way, like I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing in the world and feeling we need to do better. <laughs> how can, how can hmm. we find ourselves and really calling us to go to your heart first. So it, I think silence is that great way of how we can learn to be with one another. If we can all go to our silence and recognize that each one of us is equal in the eyes of God, that there is no truth that I have that you don't have to, then we can see each other and we can work together and move together to build a better world. And I, I think what I, my hope is, and I think that's what I feel our part is at Ignatius house is that the more people who come here and touch that place in their heart, I feel confident when they leave here that they're going to bring that transformation into every it's that it's that pebble in the water it just ripples out into the world can i ask you a question maria just silence in healing and transformation a little bit about the impact or the power in i guess the words are just transformation and healing it just it came to mind as you were sharing about saint ignatius and just i imagine there was quite a lot of recuperation if you've been hit by a cannonball (laughs) just and just how so much healing, not only physical though, but but just from hearing you describe emotional, spiritual. I guess why I'm asking this question is is there's such a beautiful invitation into silence, which sounds sometimes to people like why why would silence be important to Jesus? Because he calls us to be in the world and and to do good things and and we, we kind of grew up with such a doing mentality, but yet I found in the silence, and Larry mentioned this too, some of the most transformative moments in my spiritual journey. And I can't imagine where I'd be without silence. You know, I, I'm grateful for the question, Jody, because I think often um, people come here to be healed. I've just read through 22 applications for coming on a five night silent retreat. And when they, and, and, and those retreats, you do have to put an application and tell me about something because I match you as a spiritual director so that you can meet with. Right. And, and that's funny because we talked about Larry diving in <clears throat> to a four day that way. Like typically we tell people to come on the weekends where you're getting something preached. So you're getting, you're not in total, you're, you're hearing words. So when I look at these applications, there's so much brokenness and so many hurting people so, because you know what? It's life and life now in this last year, it just magnified the kind of brokenness that was already there in us because we're human and that's part of the nature of our lives. Broken relationships, regret, disappointments, jobs, relationships, all kinds of things, addiction issues, you just name them. And they come, and if you will, you know, they're looking, they're searching, they're, they're, they so desperately want, I think they, by just registering and applying, God has already met, God has already, is already there. It's already, the hand's already been taken, the hand's been out there, they've got the hand, they're grabbing and they're coming and they come. And, and what is the silence? It's not the director, we're not healing them. We're, we're, we're accompanying them in a very brief amount of time in the time of their silence. If you think about it, it's at most an hour a day for five days. And the other time they are alone. And what are they hearing? And what are they feeling? And I think what Ignatius felt in a physical healing, but also in emotional healing, is there anything more healing than being knowing how loved you are, how cherished you are, how 
no matter what is happening in your life, that you matter, that that there is a way forward, that someone's going to listen to you with love, embrace you where you are with no judgment, and, and offer you a path just in praying with and for you to go back to the same source once you've had it and you've left here with it, healing begins. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen miraculously here. Some people come and, and I often say, well, what are your expectations? If you come here with this expectation, oh, I want to be healed. <laughs> like it doesn't always happen that clearly, but it, but it begins. It began the, the day you signed up and you walked and you, actually the first time you sent the, the email in and it came in, it's beginning because it's from desire. I desire to be healed. I desire, I want desperately to heal my brokenness, my brokenheartedness, my, my, my grief, my despair, loss. How do I do this? And, and when you're kind of, it's kind of like coming home and God's like, like, yes, we're embracing you. And we embrace you with the way in which we care for you on retreats. I think that's part of the hospitality and how we love on you. But then in that one-on-one moment where you have just somebody that, so you can, so it is important. So I can verbalize my pain. I can, I can say I need you're accepted. And then you, and then you are left to go, okay, I, you're heard. That's part of it too. I'm hurt. Uh, there is something also about that, right? This, this objective person who has no attachment to you in any other arena of your life can, can be that for you. Whereas sometimes the person closest to you can't. Your spouse even can't sometimes, your, your, your mother, your child, your friend. There's something very, very unique. And that's part of what I think happens in, on retreat and why the silence, because it's only there. Again, you're not listening to other voices, the only one you can hear. And if that voice in you is one that is, is self-deprecating and keeps coming back, your director, I promise you, will be right on there with you, working with you to, to, to help you heal. And if we, and I want to say this too, it's really important to say, and we will recommend if we think you need to get there, if therapy is, is an answer too, not that, not that you shouldn't do spiritual work as well. You should. And so somebody once said, well, I'm, I'm, I've lost a job and I want you, do you do retreats for people who lost their jobs or do you do retreats for, you know, and I want to say it really doesn't have to, I don't have to have that topic. Everybody who comes here is coming in with something. And you could be 30 and you could be 80 years old. And when you come here, it doesn't really matter. The healer is God, but there is a companionship. And we are people who clearly are trained to do this and walk with you in it. But it's just a, it's a place to find yourself. And when we find ourselves, we can, we can heal because we came from that original place. I think about, I've got a newborn grandchild and I, when I hold my, every one of them, what I've had, when I hold them, it's like this pure soul, this, this, I, I have this sense of, oh my, you know, and I do, I actually, I actually talk to them. I don't know whether they understand me or not, but I always say things like, did you see my mom and dad? How are they? You were, you were with God. And I know mm. that's where they were because that's how close you were. Like there's that part of me that looks at that life in the purity of the relationship. And, and we, unfortunately in our growing we get caught in our world. And as we age, we, some of that gets, gets lost. And what silence does is brings you back. We're just coming back, mm -hmm. coming back. It's beautiful. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. I imagine anybody listening to these words and listening to this podcast, this idea, this picture that you painted of before you sent the email or by sending the email, this, this healing began, like the, the journey has begun. And I like to think of this podcast as a place too, where people are drawn to something about these, what we're calling thin spaces, these places that heaven and earth, there's, there's a very thin veil between the two that I think happens quite often in silence as well. So now as a part of this episode, Maria, we're going to move to a time of, of practicing a, a form of Ignatian spirituality that it, that does involve some silence. So I'm, I would like to invite you, I, I think you've got a practice that you'd like to share with us on the Thin Space podcast. And we do this at the end of every one of our episodes as an invitation into these Thin Spaces, into a meeting with the divine. So I'll, I will pass it over to you, Maria, and... Uh, you can lead us through a prayer exercise. And before Maria leads us 
in this exercise, I'd like to remind you if at any point in time you would like to extend the silence, feel free to pause the episode and pick back up when you are ready. Thank you, Evan. I think I even mentioned it earlier in the podcast that one of the Ignatian practices about being mindful or attentive is called the examine. And Ignatius would have, it's it's a kind of a rummaging through your day or looking back over your day, which I could also offer, you could do it back over a meeting. The examine can be used in many different forms, but I'll take you through more of one that would be used typically at the end of a day. And the practice is in silence. It's in your own heart. You've set up and give yourself always um, a space in which to, to place yourself in the presence of God. So there would be an act of let us place ourselves in God's presence. And the best way I know how to do that is to take a deep breath in and out. And do that one more time and breathe in and breathe out. And place yourself in this nurturing presence. And so I turn the ears of my heart in full attention to your voice. I lean to catch the whispers of your abiding love. May I be ever and always open to the countless places and times you call me into relationship with you. And so I begin this examine prayer. So think over your day from the moment you got up this morning. Recall specific moments, if you can, during this day. Where was God most present to you? What might you be thankful for? Who might you be thankful for? Savor those moments. Now, how do you feel about what God has shown you? Allow gratitude to take hold of you and express this gratitude to God. Thank God for the gift of his presence. Now look over the day again, and this time, see if there is any time when I felt desolation, when I felt pulled away from God's presence. Perhaps I was distracted or frustrated.
did this experience draw you closer to God or further away? Do I need to ask for forgiveness? Now look to tomorrow. Ask God to give you what you need for today and tomorrow. Ask God to give you a little bit more awareness of God's presence in your life. To be more aware of the many people who show us God's presence. And perhaps a little more aware of how you are God's presence to others. Trust God to work in you. And so now we pray, divine companion, you are ever near as I travel on the vast river of our relationship. Thank you for your grace in my life. May I grow daily in my love for you. I renew my commitment to have you be the center of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Thin Space Podcast. We have two more episodes with Maria Kressler coming your way. Subscribe to this podcast to be notified as they release. You can sign up for a silent retreat at Ignatius House or learn more about them by visiting their website, ignatiushouse.org. We've placed the link and some helpful resources in the show notes to this episode. This podcast is made possible because of generous donors. If you'd like to support the work of this podcast with a tax-deductible donation, you can do so on our website, cloudwalk.org give. If you are unable to support financially, you can support us in prayer and by leaving a comment and review on Apple Podcasts. Your review goes a long way in helping us reach new people with the love of God.